So hello and welcome to Salopcast's end of season review for 2021-2022. Um, yes, it's good, Ollie. Uh, we've got a couple of journalists back in the room after missing one of them the last two seasons. So yeah, do you want to introduce our guests? Yeah, so welcome back on the podcast, Lewis Cox. Thanks for joining us again. Hi, 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 Ollie England. Thanks for having me. Mark Elliott's back on the podcast. Thank you very much. Yeah, hello. Hiatus. <laughs> yeah. That's all right. Yeah. Can't. Can't give too much for free, can you? <laughs> <laughs> That's very good. And uh, we usually are joined by my brother, but he's missing his first uh, end-of-season review now. Um, so, yeah, three years in a row we've been missing one of the original five that did it back when Mickey Mellon was still manager, Ollie. So, well, actually been sacked after that season, hadn't he? So, um, there we go. But we've certainly got, uh, I don't know, well, Mark and, uh, and, and Ollie have just been joking about this podcast, saying, well, I, I've got a big, long three-page agenda here, but Mark's of the view that you could probably get through this season in 90 seconds. So, do you want to just do that? Pop, pop, pop? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I mean... Can you remember more than 10 of the games? I'm, I'm struggling. But yes, yeah, not, not necessarily one of the most memorable that we've spoken about. Certainly not, no. It's an entertaining, let's put it that way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But many goals. There were a lot of things that came up that uh, did remind us about some of the highs and lows, I suppose, as we go through it. And I suppose the first place to start, um, Lewis, really in terms of looking at this season, is it was you know the, the first chance for Steve Cottrell to kind of make his mark on the football club because it's his, it was his first full season as manager. Obviously, he had the half yeah. of the season beforehand. Um, I think when we were sitting there in the summer last year, we were kind of thinking, what kind of season was Steve Cottrell going to bring us? And obviously, with the COVID things in the background, it was yeah, it was kind of his chance to step up really to to be that first full season. Yeah, um, I, I suppose a season as a whole, sh- streaky in a way, almost. Mm. You know, it, both for the good and not so good. Um, obviously, the start left them on the back foot for the whole season, really, didn't mm. it? And always looking to to recover. Um, good spells, you know, really good spells. Certainly, just before Christmas, wasn't it, and and around that period, and then a little bit of a tough January and Feb, and good good March, and it looked like you know top half is potentially on here twelfth, which which for the record would have been great. Mm. I think everyone would agree, and and then a, a bad finish, um, winless in six, which obviously is why they finished eighteenth. Yep. I think we should have a league table in front of us. Yeah, I'm pretty <laughs> sure it was 18. It was 18. Um, yeah. yeah, so I don't know. So up and up and down, a bit of roller coaster makes it sound dramatic, doesn't it? But if you get what I mean, ups and downs and ups and downs. If it's a roller coaster, it's definitely for like what for year one yeah. and above. This is the caterpillar one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's that one you get at the fair and it's in Tuesbury to in the quarry. You know, the, the one they can erect in like a couple of weeks and then get rid of it afterwards. But I think the the positive thing about this season, Ollie, if we look back actually to the start of the season, was the fact that. We were actually allowed to come back to games, wasn't it? You know, as, as fans, obviously, you guys would kind of get into the games during that COVID period. We talked to Lewis about that last season, and he was the only one of us that was actually going to games. But it was good to be back at the Meadow, wasn't it? You know, that, that first few weeks of the season and even pre-season, just being at football was, was brilliant. Yeah, it was weird at the start, being back among crowds and stuff. But yeah, now it feels normal again, which is obviously positive and positive that, yeah, we were worried at the start of the season what the tendencies were going to be like. So that's good to see that they're they're mm. strong as well. So Kept yeah, it's up. good. Mm. It's good to be back. Um, going back to your original point to to Lewis in terms of this was Steve got trying to make a mark on the on the squad and the club. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting when we get into that. It's um, <laughs> the end. But um, yeah, um, it, the summer was interesting though, um, and I think the summer the summer was weird. Summer was a roller coaster in itself. Mm. Started so high and everyone was so. Remember the banner for the manager yeah, and positivity. There was the, yeah, there was the 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 interviews with the club, which was really. Obviously not positive because it was a, a terrible story and fortunately Steve Cotter came through and he was well. And then we didn't sign a permanent player in August <laughs> and we started the season really badly. So it was mm. it's it's been a lot's happened um in the in the last twelve months. That first 
month six weeks I think was probably quite crucial in how the season panned out in that the manager spoke a lot at the start of the season about wanting to be more expansive, yeah. wanting to play a different way from the season where they stayed up essentially five-man defence, hit teams on the break, Nick wins against good sides having absorbed a lot of pressure, yeah. did a remarkable job to keep town in the league and get them stabilised. Over the summer, he spoke about wanting to evolve the team into something more expansive. The season started badly. I don't think he got in the players that he thought he might to be able to execute that style. And I think there was probably a reversion, not to type, but to what came before, probably two months into the season, which then sees you kind of starting again, doesn't it? And setting a completely different tone for the season. So the end of the transfer window and start of the season on the pitch, I think basically decided what was going to happen then for the other eight months. I think I think that's entirely true. And, and you know, we've, we've split this season down into a, a number of sections, which we'll kind of get to as we go through it. The first one, obviously, we'll, we'll touch on now as we're kind of moving into it, which is pre-season, I suppose. Um, you know, we just we just talked about that, that period that Mark was just talking about there, Lewis. But, you know, it was a very odd pre-season in that we only had three pre-season games all the way from home. So none, none at the Meadow, whether that was pitch-related or not, I can't quite remember now. But, you know, it, it felt a little bit... I feeling it was. I yeah. think if I was if, trying to remember, I think it was to do with looking after the, the pitch. Yeah. But as, as a fan, it was it was a bit of an of odd one. It felt it felt a little bit like, is that one of the reasons why we were undercooked? Maybe looking back, it was more squad building. But it did feel a bit like that at the time, didn't it? And one of the three extra was closed doors, wasn't it? I, yeah, I believe. the last game. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a fair way to go for a friendly anyway, <laughs> isn't it? But, but yeah, I remember a lot of noise from supporters about the lack of the friendlies. I think it was um, one of the first things we probably asked in an interview when we got to speak to the manager about it, and he he couldn't have been more confident that on, on the fitness levels of it. And I think he spoke about that all through the season, hasn't mm. he? The base fitness that he got into them during um, pre-season. I, I I think it was a fit squad, and I think we I saw think that. Right there. Yeah, I think we saw that at times through the season. Um, not always, but a lot of the time. Um, I don't know or really know what I think about you know whether more friendlies make you a fitter squad or I suppose players just get a little bit more familiar with each other because they're playing it. it's seasoning isn't it yeah. 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 but there wasn't enough players for them <laughs> well, to improve their <laughs> knowledge no. of each other I mean Tap Tamworth which you've got listed down here would have been a fourth friendly yeah, and obviously that was off due to Covid so stuff there was going on in the background wasn't it but obviously two of the three games played Hereford and Telford at Conference North so it's it's with respect to those obviously uh, particularly Telford it's it's quite you know it's lower lower down opposition um, you know part time opposition in both cases so mm. yeah um, a weird one I mean yeah whether the, the pitch was a factor and they couldn't get any more away games you know whether it was just the manager's choice to have a small select few yeah. and, 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 and run them into the ground you know drill them hard in training uh, we'll see I mean we already know of a couple of friendlies this summer don't we and one over in Spain as well so yeah, maybe they'll be more for. I, I appreciate that fans want to go to friendies and see new players. Like I totally get that. You know, yeah, the, well, the, the likes of us, us hacks just want to be on holiday. <laughs> they serve a purpose, don't they? But I'm not a massive fan. Tra- traditionally, the press don't often go to the preseason games. I, I know Dunny doesn't often go to preseason games. They, 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 uh, the radio don't do the commentary. We don't yeah, commentary. Exactly. Stuart will, will go, I think. He won't mind me saying to watch. Um, yeah. I would go if I'm there, but yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, it's. It's something to. It's a place to get quotes, isn't it? Yeah, it's, yeah, you know, yeah, it's something to yeah. do. But I think I don't think it really affects fitness. I no. think that's probably been proven over the course of this season. 
you can say, did they do enough kind of live match scenarios? I, I don't know, the defensive record wasn't great at yeah. the start of the season, but then I think that is probably explained more by the attempt to change the style of play. Yeah. So I don't think it had a massive impact, okay. to be honest. That's fair enough. It's a, it's a talking point, wasn't it, at the time, Ollie? And I suppose yeah. that touches on, as we're talking about pre-season now, Ollie, do you want to run us through you know, who those signings were over the summer, really, and give an indication, really, of how much, how much game time they got? Yeah, it'd be interesting. Yeah, so in terms of who we brought in, um, so the kind of the key signings and going down in terms of order of minutes played was Morosi, played every minute, um, mm. Pennington, Leahy, Nurse, um, Bennett, Flanagan came in in, in, the, in the January transfer window. Bowman and Davis, which is an interesting signing because uh, he <laughs> to come back at the last Panic. minute. And then obviously there's some key men uh, else. Like so, it's fascinating that Fauna, who signed in obviously in January, played more than twice as many games as Cosgrove, which <laughs> is an interesting signing. Mm. And then um, Janai played 200 minutes. Then Lachabella played 200 minutes when he came in on loan. All LDV, I would imagine yeah. as well. You know, showing your age, showing your age. Let's call it by a different name every time we mention it. This is these are all League One minutes. Oh, okay. But I think I think I think going back to, to kind of transfers, Lewis. I think we can say that. Well, my opinion is that the, there were good signings. You know, Leahy, Bennett, um, Pennington, Morosi have been good signings. I, th- I think the permanent signings, and um, ironically or, or strangely, or you know, good recruitment, they're all listed at the top of your minutes, aren't they? Yeah. Um, all of the permanent signings. How many is that? One, so two, all, three, all, four, all, five, all these six, are yeah. seven, eight, eight or nine. So yeah, um, they played a lot of minutes to signing, including those. obviously Flanagan in January. Um, I, I I don't think you can have a bad word about many of those. I think there's some excellent signings there. Um, tied down on good deals, give the club a really good foundation. Um, you know, all here for next season, unless it gets snapped up, of course. Um, yeah, I, you know it, and and we'll get onto the loans, won't we? Yeah. And, and that was a big, you know, that was a big disappointment, really. Um, with you know, I suppose all bar fauna, you could say. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I think I mean we might go through each of them quickly, but superb. So you know all, all of them really. I mean of, of those permanent signings, David Davis played the fewest minutes, and he was never present until that injury, wasn't he? And playing yeah. well, and and that injury's probably cost him a new deal. Mm. Um, albeit, yeah, I do take your point about how he was uh, obviously <laughs> let go this yeah. time last year and then re-signed later. And that was clearly the the point, wasn't it, Mark? In the Davis yeah. kind of gave us a little bit. Now looking we, back, we wanted four. Yeah, an indication as mm. to maybe those targets didn't quite come off. And there was two points of that. One, we're looking at someone like Davis bringing back. Also, you know, like like most fans, like we talked about at the time, there were clear gaps still. Even after that really yeah. good recruitment, it, there were still clear gaps. On Davis, I think he was probably borderline when he got released. Mm. The manager says he wanted Fauna, couldn't get him in the summer, brought Davis back. I think he did okay before the injury. But going to, I mean, Morosi, I think has been outstanding. You can nitpick over his kicking, but I think as a goalkeeper, good. Pennington's obviously excellent for the level. Leahy, player of the year. Yeah. Uh, Nurse, I think he's a really good prospect. I think he's probably a left-back in a four or a left-sided centre-back in a so three. Too. I'm not sure about a wing-back, mm. but he looks a great mm. prospect. And to be fair, his offensive product might develop as he ages. Mm. Um, Bennett, again, outstanding. The fact he's local helped them get him and a good player. Flanagan's been an excellent January addition. Um, Bowman has done what we expected him to do actually I think he works hard and he'll chip in with a few goals so I don't think you can question that too much Fauna was a long-term target came in was behind on fitness when he got up to speed you could see why he was a long-term target class Janner and Lechabella were punts. I think they were brought in too <laughs> did you did you be there <laughs> no um, were brought in 
because they needed bodies and probably on a recommendation or, or something they were brought in as a gamble. Can't Fairly help but seeing you've left a name till last <laughs> The one that didn't work, the one that needed to work and didn't, was Cosgrove in terms of players that came in. Obviously came in, flagship, Marquise, new centre-forward, big money, and it didn't come off. Now, the fact that that's one in, how many have we got there in terms of yeah, main signings, if you discount Jenner and Lesha Bella, who I think were, were always going to be gambles. Mm. It's not, isn't it? Yeah, it's not a bad hit, but it's a very, very good hit rate. The only problem is that was a very eye-catching mm-hmm. error. Ma- is probably, ma- man up front, isn't he? Yeah. You can imagine quite costly as well. Yeah, error is probably harsh because you look at him and his record and you think, OK, he's obviously got something, but it just it never, never happens. Cosgrove was it? a long-term target, I understand. They went, oh, you know, they went, they went for him in, in January, um, which in itself is interesting. You yeah. Know, like, so, yeah. You can see why, can't you? Good size, can finish. He's got something. But for whatever reason, just didn't sell. And, and by the way, the same January that would have been the same January that Birmingham paid two million. Yeah, and, and, yeah. Odd. and and if you've got ability, you've got to work hard. Yeah, and that's, that's the problem. That's the bottom line, is that whatever seemingly was tried to elicit the work rate to match the ability, it didn't come. No. And if you look at what he's done at Wimbledon, you wonder where does he go from here? And by all accounts, that's been set out to him. And you still don't get the output no. that you require. So Shocking. it's hard to blame the club or the manager. It's that that one. And yes, you could say, well, you know, did he exhibit traits like that before? Maybe I don't know. But you've got to lay the failure of that move at the door of the player, mm. I think. It was interesting, you know, just talking about gaps there already, something we talked about all season, probably not worth us talking about too much more now. But obviously we talked about there not being an attacking midfielder. We talked about a lack of a backup at right back. Um, and I certainly think sometimes we said we might have been a once we saw Cosgrove still a striker short. And it was it was those kind of um those kind of gaps, Lewis, really, that you kind of worried about. Say, for example, Bennett gets injured early season, this season could have looked a lot different, couldn't it? If Bennett had gone injured, we would have been in serious. Well, I'm glad you mentioned Bennett because I, I was I was surprised out of all the new signers to see him fifth for minutes played. Yeah. Because until the injury at Sunderland on you know the last third last game of the season or whatever, I'm pretty sure the only league game he'd missed was his because of his handball at, at Cheltenham. So his durability at mm. 33, you know, was, was incredible, I mean, frankly. And and it, I think it, nothing against Josh Daniels because he's a great lad and uh, you know he's a talented footballer in it, you know, not playing in the right position. Mm. But you know he. he he needed to be durable, didn't he, Bennett? And thank, you know, thank God. <laughs> yeah, it as, saved as, us, as you mentioned. Um, yeah, and, and and the other point about obviously the gaps. Sorry, um, thinking back to the end of the window, late August, early September, the manager was quite open, wasn't he, about um, the targets that he didn't get in in those positions. You know mm-hmm. that they, they were trying right until that eleven o'clock at night. I think it was on a match night, wasn't it, on a yeah. Tuesday? Um, yeah, didn't yeah. quite didn't quite happen, and then it's you know, this is what we've got until January. Um, yeah, which is kind of what brings us, I suppose, to part one of, of looking at the season then, is, you know, we've termed it... Sorry, his... that's, that's a question. Mm. Did you fear that for Shrewsbury at this point for the season that they, in terms of... If you're looking at number of assists, Luhik Leakey got seven, Bennett got, got six, Nurse got six, and then after that, after you go down to Josh Della was two, <laughs> Wally, got, Wally got one. Where's the assist coming from? And that was the fear that we had. Did you have, were you have the similar fear, Mark? I think it was obvious where they were short. I thought they'd be defensively sound if they had to revert to being solid and grinding out wins, which they did in the end. So I never thought they'd go down because I thought, actually, at no point do I think that even with the resources he's got, Steve Cottrell can't get that squad to around 50 points. 
even going back to a, a type of football that maybe isn't what the fans want to see. Having said that, I think it was obvious that they were lacking a little bit of fantasy in midfield, weren't they? You know, they've ended up with Luke Leahy, who I assume was brought in as a wing back, playing in there and and, and mm-hmm. taking a lot of that creative burden on his shoulders and goal scoring burden, actually. I think at the start of the season, would you have said Daniel Udo would have had the season he has had? And that, a lot of credit goes to him, a lot goes to the manager as well, but it's been a, a remarkable season given what happened before. Yep. I didn't think Ryan Bowman was a striker who would get you more than 10-ish. So it was always going to be at the front end of the pitch where they were going to struggle. And yeah, I, I thought by the end of August, beginning of September, it looked like it was going to be a season where they'd finish about 18th. And that's happened, yeah. 17th, surely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think so optimistic. By the end of August, I think we thought or assumed that Vela or Sean Morley would be the 10, didn't we? I think in the, in the 3 5 2, I think maybe generally there was two deep midfielders and one 10 or, or vice versa. But just looking at the squad, it had to be. Vela, who probably did it at Bolton, I think. Mm. Uh, or Sean, who, who's a winger. And, um, but we never played it. We played a three. They, well, Sean started the opening day, didn't he, against Burton they, at they home started and got his off. on and was out until about... Yeah, yeah, they started off playing two and a ten. And after about, probably about three or four weeks, they reverted to the Sheffield United holding midfielder and two eights. Yeah. And... Again, that was because... With it, well, yeah, maybe not quite eight, but yeah, almost 6.5. Well, we, but yeah, well, we think about the start of the season in midfield. We mentioned yeah. off-air, off didn't we, Morecambe them away, which I think was a second or third league game. Or better play centre midfield. Yeah. You know, because there was that... Yep. Yeah. At the end of last season, you know, Nathaniel had come and said, oh, I want to be a midfielder. And I think Cottrell gave it a go and it was quickly like, you know, no chance. <laughs> um, that was a pretty bad day, wasn't it? Um, yeah. So yeah, the, the midfield option's been... The midfield situation's been fascinating and that is all before... Obviously, Lee uh, got moved there, which has been one of the. And obviously, sort of... we lost Ollie Norburn as well, didn't we? They on, yeah. 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 Added, it, added to it, didn't it? And everyone expected that Ollie Norburn money to be spent pretty much straight away, and it just didn't materialise, did it, in that run up to the well, end of the transfer been, window? You know, there's, there's been money there. Yeah. The higher part of the club have been very, very open that there was money there the manager yeah. didn't spend it. I bet that was an interesting conversation the next morning after <laughs> that game. <laughs> um, but when you can't get the players you want, mm-hmm. do you just bring in anyone? And then you end up with there's, there's, Can you Bella? Nice lad, yeah. by all accounts. There's something but not to be enough. said for not panicking and going yeah. for target Z, isn't there? Yeah, it, it is, isn't it? it you is. can't leave yourself. It's really hard because you agree with that. You know, If you're a, a big pro-cultural person, you'd be like, the signing he's made have been great. He hasn't wasted the club's money, apart from Cosgrove, but that, I agree with you, Mark, probably more on the player. And, he's, and, he, and, he's, and we've stayed up. The fan in me who's paid 300 quid to go and be entertained... Doesn't necessarily agree with that. And, and even Cottrell at the end of season awards um, was talking about, he got asked a question about small squads and he said, I like a small squad. Mm. So clearly it's part of his philosophy, but I don't like it that small, was his view of this season. So clearly there was uh, an element of, you know, I had to do what I had to do and, and that's what it is. They were about three short, weren't they? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which is a really interesting comment because obviously, you know, this summer window ended how it did and then there was, there was January and, you know, X, Y, Z, Z came in. And you know, would he have liked one or two more there? If, mm. if, if he's saying you know he didn't like it that, sh- yeah. that small, yeah. you know, it's it's interesting. It's interesting, and it will be interesting to see how many are in come <laughs> September. Well, hopefully, we're not waiting until the end of the month, end of the window, to find out. And I was just saying, we'll move on. We start to talk about now that period as we got beyond. I say that I think that that end of the transfer window was actually during the Lincoln Cup game, wasn't it, on the tenth of August, which was the second game. So we were uh, sorry, Rochdale late later Rochdale, on. In August, sorry, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, obviously we look at the first 10, 15 games there really and this is what we kind of termed historically bad start because unfortunately 
it was historically bad. Um, yeah, four losses to start the season, zero goals. Um, you know, looking fragile defensively, um, and obviously sinking to the bottom, only taking eight points from the first thirty-six on offer in the league, as well as getting knocked out of the league cup in round two. Um, yeah. I d- I- Obviously, we talked about there not being a number 10 and, and, and in Mark, we sort of saying, well, you know, we look like we'll still be defensively solid. But ironically, in that opening period, it was the sheer lack of clean sheets that was undermined this week in, week out, wasn't it? Yeah, and I think, again, going back to that, the attempt to do something a little bit different without necessarily the tools to execute it probably explains a lot of that. And again, at the risk of being accused of sounding very on message today, um, <laughs> as a fan... Would you want your team to be more expansive than they were the season before? You would. Yep. In order to finish higher up the league, they have to be. And the same goes for next season. You know, you're not going to finish higher than bottom end and mid-table just, you know, grinding out one nils. So the intention was one I don't think you can argue with, really. Mm. But again, it was recruitment, wasn't it? If you haven't got yourself the tools to be able to do it, by what are we the late part late of late September, yeah. late September early October you've got to go right hang on we're going to have to go back yeah you can't step. do it to your detriment and send yeah. yourselves down can you know so the, which makes me think he was confident he was going to get those pieces and then the, the tactics and the style of play he was implementing at the start of the season was going to have was going to work and then he was sticking to his guns yeah. I, I think there is absolutely a system that was put in place for players that didn't arrive I, I, remember, I remember reporting wow. last summer things along the line of, and, and this is because it was everything I was hearing, um, but not, not verbatim, this is exactly what I said, but town are pushing and having a go, you know, having, you know, whether that's offering players a bit more than you know, previous years or whatever. And um, some targets that whose names crept out, they were quite, you know, big players, weren't they? And then obviously supporters made the thing of, being too ambitious with yeah. trying to sign, and I got, you know, again, I don't think there's anything wrong with ambition, is there? But similar yeah. to you, everything I heard was they were trying to spend money, yeah. they just couldn't get anyone to take them. Well, an, an, interesting, know, is... an, an interesting factor is we've gone on about the size of the squad. Think back to the previous season when the manager came in and inherited almost thirty, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Goss and Love not even registered. It, it was like this yeah, gone from the many. biggest squad you've ever seen to to mm. yeah, possibly the other one. Yeah, it was it was definitely a tricky start to the season as we talked about there. I think you know my, mine and Ollie's projections during that early part of the season was uh, we'd kind of slipped back to a kind of lacking of shots, lack of goals, lack of entertainment, um, and and a real pattern. Ollie during that period was conceding first and never just never getting back into games, was it? We were shockingly bad. <laughs> we were. I thought you had to put a bleep in. There. <laughs> it was it was it was boring to watch, wasn't it? There was this no period, ambition. Yeah. There was no hope. There was. If you go into a game thinking there's a good chance we're not going to score, it's pretty. Well, we we talk about it all the time. You know, if you're a Street Town fan, a third of the games in the last year or so you yep. haven't even scored a goal. Yeah. There's Ben Harvey's a friend of the podcast. Been to seven away games and he's seen like two goals and one point. Or something. <laughs> you know, and this is this is reality. <laughs> we'll, we'll, get, we'll get onto it, but the away form, shot yeah, away yeah. form, yeah. But but with coming up to a bit of a highlight. We went ten percent of the season without scoring a goal. Crazy. And I remember, I remember being such a loser and geek with doing the podcast. I worked out what moment it was going to be for ten percent of the season. We went past that mark, but then a couple of minutes later, fortunately, uh, a bit of luck and a bit of magic, Glenn. Yeah, back on it. one of the goals. Well, the goal of the season, Mark, the Tom Bloxham mm. overhead volley versus Gillingham. It was 
a remarkable moment, not just for the the nature of the goal, but for the fact it was a debut goal for a you know a first goal for a, a youth player coming through our system. It was it was a fantastic day. Yeah, he he may well look thirty two. <laughs> what was he still seventeen then? Is yeah, he just yeah, eighteen? Yeah, I think so. You know, he's he's huge as a physical presence. He has clearly got ability. I think that trying to not overexpose him mm. in terms of to too much game time and risk injury given he's still growing and that's important and not kind of bow to fan pressure it's that new toy thing as well isn't it we've we've found our Alan Shearer you know it's this kid's (laughs) gonna make us millions and take us to the Premier League and it's brilliant that you can get that enthusiasm over one of your own but when you see flashes like that it almost ramps it up again Mm. brilliant moment it might have been better for him if it was a tapping off his knee. In in that, it would have lowered the expectation levels a little bit. Don't um, score the best goal of your career yeah. as, as the first one. Yeah. And the fact that he's probably naturally a wide player, a wide forward, the fact that he's not really one that knows how to or necessarily instinctively wants to lead the line on his own, mm. it's difficult to know, again, where he fits, how do you use him. You've got to be really, really careful with his minutes and I've laid all that groundwork before I say, but what a prospect. Yeah, no, and isn't it I'm great excited. to see him tied down for a while? Because that, if he gets 10 goals next season, is a seven-figure player. And the, he yeah. only played um, 1,300 minutes. And there is an interesting question. I know Lewis Cox and the fans have debated, like, how can he be so tall and he's a winger? That doesn't necessarily... You know, he's not, unless he's Manjucic playing for Juventus where he kind of you know created the, the wide forward role. Mark, where would you think he's going to play? Do you think he's trainable to be a centre-forward? Uh, yeah, I th- well, yes, you can, but I mean, there's arguments over what constitutes a centre forward now as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, there's to use uh, Romelu Lukaku as an example, who wants to drift to the left and cut in all day long like Thierry Henry. There's no reason why you know he can't drift around and move around and maybe belie his frame if you like but I suppose you've got to get past judging a book by its cover haven't you and actually he gets down the line pretty well he puts in some decent crosses he's he can finish he's a threat in the air at the back post there are ways to use him that are effective but he's just 18 Mm. you know would you expect him to start 40 games this season I'd hope not because again his body you know he's still growing you don't want him getting injured you don't want to have to rely on a teenager Again, this is going to be a slow process. And if they do it right, they've got a massive, massive asset on their hands. Well, He's very raw as well, it has to be yeah. said. He was Town's third striker this season. And they yeah, play yeah. two, wasn't he? You know, he, he was the, the first option on the bench. He wasn't the start of the season though, Lewis. Because you've got to remember that Ricky or Pike sc- uh, started against Morecambe. And I think that was well, one of the back. things. We'd obviously not scored in any of these games up to uh, up to the Gillingham game at home. And we've been playing Pike and Adoe didn't start the season particularly well, did he? And I think that, that was what ratcheted that pressure up on on uh, Bloxham because people were like well look we've, we've tried these other lads so far none of them have been able to hit a barn door so he's obviously scored an over Red I think that was kind of alluding to what you're saying there Mark is that the manager had to kind of rein the fans back a little bit but I will say one thing that Gillingham game was it will be one of those games you remember for quite a long time because the overhead volley was remarkable, but Cosgrove scored a goal, it, which is probably more remarkable. And then we had a massive punch up at the end, and Harry Burgoyne got sent off without even coming onto the pitch. It was a, it was a really mad end to that game. I'm sure what you could see from where you were, Lewis, down, down oh, with the yeah. punch up. I, I, I was in the office the other day and having a look at the season and stuff, and I, I did notice actually, um, which I thought was quite cool and quite quirky, um, Harry Burgoyne's red card, despite not playing a minute <laughs> of league football this season, is a it's great a record, start, isn't, isn't it? it? Yeah, you, like, it's a quiz question for the ages, isn't it? You know? <laughs> Um, <laughs> and the opposition 
and it was their coaching staff. Everything about it was just oh, brilliant. It was, it was brilliant. I wonder if, yeah, I wonder if who scored was about to um, fudge their numbers thing because they put him down with one minute but no. to no. capture the red card. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no. it, won't, it won't work That's in their weird. database, Ollie. On no, the, he on played the... four cup games, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. in the league, they've put him down for one minute, maybe just so that they have the red card on record. Unbelievable. Yeah, it's the sort of thing on commentary you feel obliged to say we don't want to see things like that, but we absolutely do. <laughs> <laughs> we want to see more of it. I completely agree with you. There, it was Mark. great. Yeah. We um, and we get great view of that. Don't oh, we? fantastic! Behind the dugout, and it showed it showed that the club were the, the players because we were because at this point it started to get a bit meaty didn't it like it was month of no wins yeah yeah there was month of no wins there was the like unbelievable drop from the high of Cotra coming back and those interviews we were bottom all the way to yeah, bottom of the league table not scoring any goals it did start to get a little bit feisty in the media as well Mark yeah yeah there were there were times and I think it was probably the first point since the manager came in that it hadn't been going well, actually, because given the context of what he'd come in to do, there'd been success, and then obviously he'd been away for a long period of time, and quite rightly, there was a huge amount of goodwill surrounding that. And then over the course of the summer, people looked at his record, and in a way, I think perhaps he was a bit of a victim of his own previous success in and what he'd done the previous season that everyone expected. Right, now we're going to kick on and we're going to be kind of on the cusp of the playoffs by Christmas. And then it didn't happen. Um, I don't think it's outlandish to say he's not a man that enjoys not winning football matches. Um, he clearly wears his heart on his sleeve, and that started to to come through at around that point, I think. Yeah. Just quickly on Bloxham, final, final point. Did you, do you remember, it's probably worth a mention, the, um, when he sort of broke on the scene, scored that goal, do you remember the, the interviews about the... The, the jewel in the crown. Yeah, he bigged right, him up yeah, massively, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. Bigged him up as much as, as possible. But what I would have to counter that, he did say throughout the season, didn't he? He will have peaks and troughs, you know, he will. He, he said after he played did. about four games, he'll play 20 to 25. He played 40 in the end. Yeah. Yeah, yeah 17 starts, 17, 17 off the bench. So, yeah. yeah, I guess starts wise, probably if you add minutes together, it might well be about that in four games. I don't know. But yeah, maybe. Probably used more than. He would have wanted yeah, to use because him. that's that Sam Crossgrove. Yeah, I think one of the most Steve fascinating things about next season will be watching blocks and yeah. develop and what you know what yeah, you develop, can like, get from like him. Like or do, has do from him. Yeah, can just see what, um, can and what he turns into because as I say he's very very raw. I don't think he's got the well, obviously the experience to kind of be a, a lone striker. So you know, do, do they continue with the two? In which case, he plays in a two. Do they mm. go to something where there's a three and he plays? You know, narrow but wider. I, I don't know. There were enough occasions he played wide in a three, yeah. weren't yeah. there? I, I can't exactly remember what that full formation yeah, would have been. Yeah, it was a three-four-three three, 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 with Lado and yeah. Boxen playing off Bowman. Yeah. Worked all right sometimes. And that yeah. a little bit takes the pressure off him to have to score a lot of goals because yeah. people don't then pigeonhole him as a number nine mm. where you've got to get 15, 20. Yeah. So very raw, probably a long way, a long, long way from the finished product, but. It's exciting, just got to go slow, hasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it, it, it. Just going back to kind of how that game went after the Ginian game, really, because it was almost like another marker of sort of things that would happen as the season went on. We finally got a win. We scored two goals. You know, that still looks slightly better. We went up to 22nd place. The heady heights of 22nd place. But the run after that then just was abject again. You know, we went to Crew and, and we're abject at them in the in the trophy. Um, a really poor performance away at Accrington, um, which is a game where you you know look to be getting points again. Another home game then to Crew, which was which was pretty dreadful. And Crew, and they were awful this season. Yeah, we couldn't crew. we didn't beat them three times. <laughs> Unbelievably bad side. Yeah, it's mad, isn't it? 
And that's how low we were at yeah. this point. And then obviously we got another win, the second win of the season, then around 25th of September, um, which kind of staved off a little bit of the, the anger that was growing um, when we beat AFC Wimbledon with a with a massive 33% possession. Real real smash and grab at home to, to Wimbledon. And then again, went on another bad run, lost to Wickham, um, lost at home to Bolton, sorry, away to Bolton, um, and then ended that little run there um, with 28% possession against Ipswich, which at the time felt like we were getting worse. And I think that's what you were talking about, Ollie, where... The pressure was on you know, some of the techie interviews you've been having with the media at times. But also, for us as fans, that was the first time where there were audible boos and annoyances. And no, it didn't quite this season get to any cocktail out chance and stuff like that. But there was a definitely, at the start of October, a real growing sense of um, concern from the fans, wasn't there, Ollie? Yeah, we ended at this point, we're 23rd. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's valid. You've had, you've, mm-hmm. had, you've had the chance to recruit players. You haven't recruited any players. You didn't have any pre-season friendlies. One thing we haven't mentioned, Glenn. Playing in yellow. Oh well, let's, I don't even want to. Don't want to talk <laughs> about playing in yellow. How long is this podcast going to be? And and yeah, we are. I was genuinely fearful we we're going to be relegated. You said at the start, Mark, you didn't think we were going to get relegated. At this point, I genuinely thought it was a just, good chance we, can, we were going to be in the mix. Can I just say about this second league win against Wimbledon at home? Yeah. Two one, uh, late September. I'm looking at Mark for a bit of encouragement here, but. I'm struggling to even... I can't remember. Can anyone tell well, me who scored? Because we had 37%, 37% position. I'm pretty sure... Off the top of my head, I think Bowman scored. I might be wrong on that, though. But, um, yeah, it was. In, that's why I've noted the possession we had. It was an incredibly unnoteworthy game that we slept our way through. And the point is, had we not found a late... I think it was quite a late winner. Um, you know, we sure, would have won one out I'm of three. I'm pretty sure left. Wimbledon scored first. Yeah, possibly. Uh, I vaguely remember a counter, yeah. so the I think town were behind. Did you know Ubersell scored? Because I've always thought he was a decent player. Yeah. Is that why I think he's a good player? Yeah. Possibly. It was 2 1. It was 2 1, yeah. But yeah, my point was is that you know the game that we won there, the second league game, could easily have not been a victory. Yeah. It was it was that poor. So in the whole run, um, two league wins from the opening, um, whatever it was, 11, 12 games, was just it was shocking. Leahy and a doe score. Uh, there you go, then. Yeah, there you go. On the colour point. Um, when Amber returns this season I, I do think you should use your role in the supporters parliament to campaign to have the and put back in blue and amber army oh right okay um, <laughs> few, few, things, few things annoy me more than <laughs> the ground blue amber, amber. <laughs> no it even fits the song better it's, it's, uh, it's the and is the and the necessary extra syllable in the song. <laughs> you need to be uh, sending those qu- 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 uh, questions to the South Stand Flags guys now. That's going to be your main your main way to get into that now. You know, I think right. you might want to send them a formal email. Hopefully they listen. Yeah, they definitely will. Um, uh, there we go. Anyway, so yeah, we're just talking about the end of that bad run. As I say, it was it was getting worse. As I say, to go a game with twenty eight possession. I remember. I think we watched that one on the stream, or didn't we? Away at Ipswich, and it was like. I'm not sure I can, I can do this again, to be honest with you. Um, you just but, remember having conversations <laughs> offline going, and you were telling me off for being negative on the tweet on Twitter. That's why I'm like, genuine as, as a fan. That is why this season I've wanted to go to more games live. I found the experience of watching the games on the streams during the COVID period so mind-numbingly dull and annoying and just frustrating to not be there. Try commentating on well, <laughs> Exactly, that's the point, isn't it? Particularly so, when the game cuts to the one at Sunderland. Yeah, the we saw that day. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that, I was quality. But, the, last, um, the, the last game of this period, pardon me, um, Ipswich away was a strange and um, difficult afternoon um, with what happened to Ryan Bowman, wasn't it? I mean, oh, yeah. touch wood, God, you know. Yeah. God willing, you know, thanks to God, he's, he's all right. Um, but that was sort of a scary thing to have to report and cover. Yeah, it almost um, overshadowed the result, didn't it, though, which was probably quite good for, for Cottrell at well, the yeah, time. Well, yeah, and, and just looking at it, actually, the, the previous league game, there was a 
Wolves trophy game in between, but the previous league game was Bolton away. Yep. And uh, there was a missed pen, wasn't there? Yeah. You know, it was a two-one defeat, and there was a, and Town were Bowman, really unlucky. We were really a Bowman missed penalty. Game, yeah. um, did enough to win that and probably another game. I think by that point, I'm not so sure about Ipswich, but certainly Bolton playing a little yeah. better, and you know, I think Cottrell was was feeling. Um, you know, lack of fortune, you know, whether Lee should have t- taken that penalty at Bolton. I, I don't mm. know, it was a bad penalty from Bowman, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Um, but yeah, no, it, and another thing just finally worth mentioning before we get off this group of um, games, because I noticed that the next one um, was the home win against MK Dons, the yeah. 1-0 in mid-October. I know for a fact, and I remember reporting, that that MK Dons game was the first clean sheet of the season yep. in all competitions. So we were up to what? 16th of October. Yeah, mid-October, including trophy games against youth yep. opposition without a single clean Which, sheet. Which, given the defensive record they finished with. Well, crazy. That's incredible. Went, well, I think yeah. Well, yeah, the yeah. defensive record like a month before the end of the season yes. with a yeah. third best in the in division. Yeah. Yeah. Then we dropped Nearly to second. eighth or ninth yeah. or something As like that. soon as they were but safe. the fact that we hadn't, yeah. we'd been shipping goals at that point just shows you how much he just completely changed the defence, the tactics and really went really defensive. Yeah, just given what had, what had happened, you know, when, when he first came in, obviously they looked doomed and you know, at the back end of Sam Ricketts in there and obviously started up with those three back-to-back one nils, you know, brilliant aways, you know, <laughs> It, it was crazy. It was two months into the new season. It's not, not just sheet. that. You, talk, you go through to Christmas Day, we'd only kept three clean sheets in all competitions up to Christmas Day, which is, and as I say, when the record they ended with is absolutely bonkers, And I'm pretty sure that Accrington at home just after Christmas Day, I missed that. I, um, nil-nil. Yeah. yeah, unfortunately, tested positive. That was the first nil-nil of the season in, in any competition. And then there were just a, a load of them. Weren't there? <laughs> at that point as well, he's decided Aaron Pierre isn't for him, I think. I think and, that was decided a bit earlier. Yeah, possibly. but he wasn't playing. Mm. And that's your probably key piece from the, the defence from the previous two seasons. Yeah, And he's got to wait till January to bring Flanagan in. So, again, it's trying to make the most of uh, tools that the manager feels are less than ideal. Yeah, And we call, we call this next, we'll move on from that historically bad start now to what we've kind of termed the recovery and a happy Christmas. Because we don't often have happy Christmas, should be fans. We seem to do pretty poorly during that period. And this takes us from sort of the 16th of October, that MK Dons game where we got the first clean sheet that Lewis just mentioned, um, before that game, sitting pretty much second bottom, um, to finishing on January, just before we're about to visit Liverpool, which we will touch on in the next block of games, sitting 14th in League One, which was a, a remarkable recovery. And just a couple of things to say about that run, really. One of the things you just talk about there, the, the change of tactics, but it, we also went into that mode where we had the same team every single week. It mm. was You could name that team and it wasn't going to change unless someone got injured. Um, so that was one of the things we think sort of started to help get results. I'm talking well, for that. Oh, for there's one main thing, but yeah, come, we'll, we'll come back to that. Minute. And then the other, the other thing, just to say about injuries, was this was where Wally got injured. Obviously, that was a bit of a, a play on the season. But yeah, in this run, picked up more league wins, got six out, six wins out of fourteen, which was really good and much harder to beat during that period. Um, and then yeah, obviously we had the FA Cup adventures. We'll probably reflect on now and uh, mm-hmm. Derwin Bowman's purple patch during this period. So it definitely was, in my view, just to say, I think this is the part of the season which essentially saved us from relegation. This is where we bulked our points up just before Christmas, yeah. Mark, and had something to build on, I suppose, as we got in towards January, didn't it? Yeah, uh, it did. And again, it's when they start to get solid. It's when they start to get on a little bit of a roll. And you've mentioned consistency of, of team selection yeah. and... They did pretty well with injuries generally throughout think, the season. I think for this 
period, I'll better only just got back into the side. He did, he? He and we haven't touched on him yet. And no. that was a, a strange sort of chapter of the start of the season, wasn't yep. it? I'll yep. better given what had gone before and obviously what happened in the summer. So he took the left wing back role, which presumably, if memory serves, helped Lee move into the, yeah. the yep. middle. Yep. And that obviously worked on, on both counts as well. And wasn't and um, when we had this good run, wasn't that when Lee and Vela came back from injury as well? Um, but there was one big thing that's, that started happening. And that was that Dan O'Doe started scoring goals. Yep. Well, they found a nice bit of balance, didn't yeah. they? Left footer on the left of the three. They had a natural wing back on the left, one on the right. Vela, that sort of inside right channel. They got a nice balance to midfield. The defence had stopped leaking as many unnecessary goals. And then, as you say, they managed to get a couple of strikers in form and that made all the difference. It's actually Bowman was the, the one that scored the most during this, this run really. He ended up with eight during the, the run up to January from October and Odo was six. But you know, com- combined fourteen goals there, isn't it? Quick maths, I'm pretty sure that's right. But um, that's quite had a lot three assists as well. Yeah. But fourteen goals across our whole season is a lot of the goals we get. Well, how many scored. did Bowman get altogether? Ten. Uh, oh, ten sorry, yeah. Even if you say thirteen, the way over half. Yeah. You know, in this little period. Exactly. Yeah. Obviously, some of them were at Stratford, which is uh, well. We'll come back Plus to some three of them. Three were against Cambridge, weren't they? Yeah, exactly. You know, which which game was it? When there was the one? Because let's be honest, it, the the tension was mounting in this period. Ox- Oxford away, which is the second game of this chunk on the Tuesday night. Yeah, and then there was a particularly home game. forgettable. And there was a home game, wasn't there? Where I think if if we'd lost, I think there would have might have been some more audible boos. And yeah, Cambridge at home, wasn't it? I think Which followed Oxford, didn't it? Yeah, and that Oxford game, you do say it was forgettable, but I did make a note here, and I put something along the lines of, abject to Oxford, worst game of the season, question mark. I'm pretty sure it probably was. Um, but no shots on target and 25% possession. That probably was the deer of the season. Wasn't the worst attack in the... Remember away at Wickham, we had 0.11 XG. <laughs> did get and a point, though. Yeah, which yeah that's the point. Yeah. Into context, again, I did mention the podcast, that Bowman miss at home to Sheffield Wednesday, had 0.6 XG. So that's how bad we were in the entire 90 minutes. There were two games, weren't there? There was that Wickham one where you've never seen a more one-sided nil-nil until it happened on the other side of the coin to town yeah. about two weeks later. Wickham, they Wickham did that two games in a row. Yeah. They had something like 30 shots and didn't score. Yeah, mm. but there was, there was some interesting games during this run as well in terms of you know where we could have got more as well. Obviously, we went to Cheltenham um, on the 20th of November playing fantastically. I remember going there that day and then Bennett has a bit of a brain fart on the line, does Anne Ball, and, and we let a that poor Cheltenham... That was a good day, wasn't it? Despite the defeat, yeah, yeah. good crowd. But, you know, you could, we could easily take more points from mm. this run, couldn't we, Lewis? Yeah, no, agreed entirely. Um, definitely seems like, I think, something had shifted. Um, I think that, that, that Cambridge game, which is at home third into this block of games, was, was huge, wasn't it? I think Town were 1-0 up, and then in control, I think, and their left-back scored a screamer. Yeah. Out of nowhere. Is that Iredale who's they've released? I believe it, Not it sure. might be. Um anyway, yeah, they, they equalised out of nowhere and you you're a bit worried there, aren't you? And then I think Bowman scored his second and third and yeah, great day for, for all concerned and go to Lincoln and get a like at the time I thought it was a decent I think we all thought it was a decent yeah, point, yeah, didn't we? Were we? And, high then. and uh <laughs> Yeah, Stratford in the FA Cup. I mean, what a, what a day. Dire, what, what a diabolical <laughs> first round draw that is for the club in terms of banana skin. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we were going crazy for taming it a shrew. You know, everyone wanted, well, we didn't want the headline, but I think all the national favourites wanted mm. the headline, certainly. Well, that's why TV are yeah. there, yeah. isn't it? You know, it's yeah. a very non league ground. It was potentially a problem. 
Just and one. then they score yeah. Yeah. in front, in front of us behind the goal like oh my god they've scored it's one of my biggest <laughs> right in front one of, of you one of my biggest regrets or probably biggest regrets of the season I wasn't I wasn't there that day I was great I was in that um, game and what, what day was that it was a Sunday wasn't it yeah, yeah, it was yeah, yeah. my son was born on the 15th so that's yeah. why I wasn't there how much room did you get in the press box that day Mark there wasn't a huge amount um yeah it was an experience is what I'll say I remember listening to you on the radio before the teams had come out at the start, and you were some guys come out doing Shakespeare. Oh, that yeah, <laughs> that was so the, bizarre. The sta- I so all about that. The, the stadium announcer, the mm. Ryan Jervis equivalent, rocks up dressed like Henry V, and recites the "Once More unto the Breach, dear friends." But that's a long speech. It was, and he keeps but all going. the players came out with their kids as well, didn't they? Keeps going, and then, but he's he's very teacher esque throughout. So, you know, he's, he's having a go at this. them for, <laughs> for letting flares off. You know, when they're on the pitch, he's kind of admonishing them. But still still dressed as a medieval king. No. Which, I don't know whether it added to his mm. authority or diminished it considerably. He was, he's, the only, he's the only stadium announcer I know more posh than Ryan Jarvis, to be honest with you. So um, it, it was quite a, quite a turn up for the books. The whole day was crazy. We talked about We did a really good nice podcast. Nice houses around there, by the way. Yeah, it was a really nice place. Right. And um, you talk about the Shakespeare, but the funniest thing was, I was there, no more than 50 yards away from it, I, I never heard any of that. The tannoys didn't work in there. Oh, well, no, I remember, I remember talking to you about it. You were like, you couldn't see anything. Wasn't the yeah, sun bad for you as well? The sun was in our eyes. It was a right. It was. A, but the point is, I took me two kids, and that's one of those adventures from the season yeah. that they most remember going to Stratford's little ground, and and we got the job done eventually. You know, Bowman played really well second half, didn't he? And oh, better. Yeah, oh, better was we, class. some great tactic, goals. The tactic great goals, for that day: give it to a better, let him cross it. Yeah. That was it, and yeah. that's all we did for most of the game. And it worked, to be fair. And we'll get onto it when I better left, obviously, but. That little trio in this period where results came, that trio of Ogbetta, Lee, Nurse mm. really had started to develop and, yeah. and was a good Carlisle away. They were excellent in most games. Um, and not Valor saying and Bennett ben, on the other side, not, but always yeah. had a decent relationship yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah, no, agreed. Bennett really good on the other side, but they, they started to link. Yeah, they did really well. Ogbetta was um, good in that game. Another Bloxham goal as well, I think, wasn't just it? late on. Yeah, just um, after after Stratford looking at the fixtures, it's interesting, isn't it? Because you know, ignoring Wigan in the trophy, Cheltenham was, was a good day. Bar yeah. the bar the result played well, and then you've got red card I, season. Then wasn't it? Davis yeah. and Sunderland was a red. Well, well, I, I remember yeah. these home games. These these Sunderland and Cheltenham, you know, difficult on paper, but played really well. Yep. Got four points. Then went and won at Carlisle. Nasty nasty cup draw. Um, and and I miss Wigan away in the league, but that was you know they, they played well, didn't they? And lost in the last minute when when uh, a couple of substitutes who you cannot, cannot name if you want, if you choose to uh, but were sort of strolled around as, as they oh, got yeah. scored in the last minute oh, you know, and, there was a lot of strolling going on you know Wigan were probably top of the table at that point weren't they I'm sure um, yeah. but having said that you know, and that, and that was great it, it was then Doncaster away and that was that a was, particularly that was bad a real so that was a big game that was a massive game Doncaster we were bottom were, I'm pretty sure we were close to they were dreadful yeah, that, and that as a marker for the season where we talk more roundly was again that inability to te- to beat teams below us. Mark, that was kind of one of those eternal frustrations this yeah. season of rocking up to teams who are on an absolute shocker and us charity FC in it all the way. I always think if you revert to become a team that doesn't necessarily want a lot of the ball, mm. the games you find hard are against. I remember Wolves a few years ago beating everybody near the top of the league. Just hitting them on the break over and over again. Yep. And then when they came up against anyone who was a little bit more conservative, 
they it was a complete change of mindset to break them down. A little bit like when town were flying and all of a sudden people started sitting in against them and it was a that was when we knew they were legit when they found a way to play around a sort of low block. Yeah. But but I this was not a good team. So no, I just looked exactly. at the team for that day. <laughs> we had Bloxham and Pike up front, Odo in the number ten. We had Vela and Ben in midfield, Daniels at right wing back, and then we had Leahy in central defence. That's when yeah. he had to go there because yeah. of the injuries. So add not being a great side yeah. generally you, like on it. the ball in particular, and being patched up, and and Doncaster's probably... late winner. I did. That Ta- was a sucker Town were probably still did more in the game than Doncaster because they were dire, by the way. But their, their late winner was from a corner, headed in. Um, and something we haven't spoken on yet, that was a big theme, wasn't it? They're conceding goals from mm. corners, set plays. Um, if you look at that back massive three, theme. Pennington, not, he's decent in the head, but he's not, you know, you wouldn't call it one of his main strengths. And then Leahy and Nurse. Yeah, not exactly. A big, big team. Yeah, it was a game where like one of them got injured. Was it not in the warm-up, but like, the, you know, something like the day before in training or something like that. So mm. it probably unsettled the back four even more, having to chuck Lee, uh, chuck back three, centre-back Chuck and Lee in there. But I, I know they went on a massive focus, didn't they? Probably around the point after that game where mm. it's like, you know, we're working on this, we're changing how we set up defending these because we're, we're conceding too many. Yeah, but then they got back on track straight away pretty much. They got the win on yeah, the 10th of December at Cheltenham. And then, as I said, that, that good Christmas where... We went away to Fleetwood and got our first away win of the season on Boxing Day, which felt like a massive moment, to be honest with you. Uh, that it took to Boxing Day is, is slightly embarrassing, isn't it? But um, nice arena win there. Rideau, absolutely unplayable that day and, and probably in the best form of the, of the season for me. And they obviously came back and, and on the 29th in between um, Boxing Day and, and the January 1st game. Uh, drew at home to Accrington, which was a little bit unlucky, as I recall. And then, yeah, 2nd of January, packed out Meadow. You know, a lot of fans there on, on that day for the for the Christmassy. New Year's Day game and yeah won the win over, over Sheffield Wednesday which went down pretty well didn't it that day uh, Mark so when did they go to Zonal Market was it around <laughs> well it would have been around then I'm around sure then because the, pieces, yeah. but yeah um, yeah it, I mean you never want to go to Fleetwood on Boxing Day it's not well, I don't really. know it depends how much you like your family I, I went to extreme <laughs> measures to get out of it didn't I Mark yeah. as, yes, as I called did, the Radio yeah. Shropshire van on Boxing Day morning yeah trying to find as, anyone as to Tony, do your match report has Tony got his laptop last <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah but yeah, just to get an away win was huge. Was huge. Yeah. And that had become a bit of an albatross, and that was probably the last one, wasn't it? You know, we'd we'd banged on about the clean sheets. They got one, but it was away wins up until that point. And Zero. then, I suppose, that was there were no more sticks left with which to, to beat them, yeah. and it was a bit of a hurdle to overcome. Well, that, that you know, we go on about that Doncaster game. They, they really responded well from that, um, because... As you can see from Ollie's graphic here, that left them twentieth, losing at home to away to a bad Doncaster, and you know you get the concerns, the questions again. You know, rightly so from fans. You know, it's nearly Christmas and we're twentieth, um, and they really had to respond to that, and and they did. You know, they, yeah. they did as as Glenn said at the start. This, as well as earlier in this period, October. This this was really the period that sorted them out wasn't yeah. it and, and I got mean, 10 them. points from 12 is massive when you, you're aiming for 50 isn't yeah. it you know? I mean by the end of that like Sheffield Wednesday game we've got 29 points we only, we only get another 21 to the end of the season don't yeah, we and sure. that's less than half a season gone I suppose and you know obviously the context of this run as well is you know we've beaten Carlisle on the 4th of December 
So you've got the whole of that month of December where you pick up, you know, those those huge points in the league, and also got this glamour tie away at Liverpool to look forward to, which comes in the next block. But um, yeah, you know that that game away at Carlisle. Um, obviously, we didn't know who we'd drawn at that point, but just to get to the third round again, Mark, it continues that good re- FA Cup record that we really have had as a club under various managers. Now it's. I know it's something a lot of the fans find pride in that we always really give our best in the FA Cup. Yeah, we've been spoiled, haven't we, in yeah. cups generally over the last few years. You know, it was years and years and years when Terror in the fourth tier where they didn't play a top flight side. Mm. And now, you know, you can reel them off from the last decade, can't you? And boring, isn't it? <laughs> well, to be fair, they've got to beat one. That's the next yeah, step, yeah, isn't yeah. it? And they've That's been close true. a few times. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that is, I think, the bigger source of pride is that they tend to be competitive in the games yeah. as well. But but then rubbish in the league the day after. <laughs> well, yeah, but um, it should be a source of pride. I think now they're a League One club again, it's something that you don't expect, but it's something that they should be seeking to yeah. do. It's a massive source of revenue. You know, that having those big marquee ties lifts a season like this. This was the sort of season where you needed a trophy run, wasn't it? You know, just to liven it up. And things like this do keep the interest going. Um, I'm shaking my head at that, but everyone who knows me will know why. <laughs> but... You know, it's it's just good, and yeah. when you when you get those games, they're fun, and as long as you you go there and give a good account of yourself, they're a free hit. Yeah, it's exactly. like muscle memory now, isn't it? And because the reputation's there and the players have done it, you do go into them a bit more confident that yeah. we're going to make the third round here. You know, regardless of who we play first, second round, and you know, <laughs> the likelihood is we're going to get a good draw and we're going to give them a game. Yeah, and we'll get to part three, which is uh, the Liverpool game onwards, Ollie. But just a couple of other things to reflect on on this run. We talked about how they did it, but. I know one thing I remember you being pretty excited about was um, the game at home to Cheltenham where David Davis scored that mad breakaway goal. <laughs> that was an amazing goal, wasn't it? Just like just turned into like Steven Gerrard. Unbelievable. And just drove forward and put the ball in the back of the net. It was, again, a classic defensive Shrewsbury Town performance, but an amazing moment for him as well because he'd, he'd been out injured, hadn't he? He'd come back yep. refreshed. He'd been, he'd been sent off, hadn't he? Was got, it yeah, in yeah. Sunderland, Sunderland or Charlton? Did, yeah, yeah. Sunderland. And... and that game he was great and then he played well. Yeah. Know. He was really him, Mado, um, Bowman you mentioned mm. had good good Christmas period. They did. And we didn't mention, you know, we talked briefly about Bowman's hat trick, but I don't know about you guys. Have you have you ever seen another perfect hat trick live? You know, the the right foot, left foot header? I didn't see that one live. Oh, well, so you no. weren't there. <laughs> oh, fair enough. I don't know. My, you know, I, I, I can't think of... I, I went back and looked when the last perfect hat-trick was scored by a Shrewsbury Town player and when you get back to records in like the, the, late, the early 80s where you can figure out who scored and how they scored, I didn't find one. So it's been at least since the 80s since someone did the perfect hat-trick at the Amazing. club. So it was a historic moment, that really, and, yeah. and a really, really good hat-trick. So, yeah, that was it. We were obviously buzzing, looking forward to heading up to Liverpool again, hoping it would be a better experience than last time. Um, and they would treat us a little bit better, which they did, to be fair, this time. Um, a lot of positives from the club about Liverpool and the way they dealt with things this time. But, unfortunately, I called this next section from sort of January to the end of February after the Lord Mayor's show, because it's fair to say we went to Liverpool, we had a great day, and then we didn't win a game <laughs> for another nine games, um, which might might have been a little bit of a drop-off, guys. So I, I don't know what... Do you, do you kind of put much stock in that mark about you know sometimes you can have that big game and it's a bit difficult then to refocus on what you were doing beforehand I think sometimes if you've got a midweek after but no mm. I don't think so I think what was it it was Sunday to Saturday wasn't it so yeah. no I'm not really I don't think you can blame you played two games on a Sunday didn't we? We, I we played a Sunday a Wednesday a Sunday then a Sunday yeah I personally think and agree with Mark saying in regards not physically but I do think yeah. maybe upstairs. Yeah, there was know. a feeling actually that season's over after that. 
Well, yeah, because interestingly, the league game before that was the Sheffield Wednesday home win. And in. again, Ollie's graphic, you know, that lifted town to 14th. Yeah. 14th at the start of Jan, you know, you anything's possible really. We all thought we're out of the relegation zone now. Going to January, we're going to get that number 10 we need, we're going to get a few midfielders, well, we're we'll going to get that right get wing back. Yeah. I know. And we're on a bit of a crest of a wave again. That, that roller coaster kind of thought, you know, we've got something to look forward to, the Liverpool game. And maybe we can fix some of these issues we've had. And the drop-off was stark, because that next game after Liverpool, just to remind people, was when we went away to Crew, who I think were bottom at the time, and hadn't, again, won for ages. And we, we couldn't... We, we drew 0-0, and in some respects, they missed probably the best chance at the end of that game. And that I think it was that drop-off from there, where we were like, you know, when you said, it's kind of the end of the season, it almost, it almost felt a little bit like that yeah, at Crew. Uh, and whether the players felt like that, I don't know. But it mm. felt like, well, they're not going to be good enough to like really push on and go and gate-crash the playoffs. They're probably going to be too good... To go down, it did feel a bit like okay, but um, yeah, I mean, uh, crew failing to beat crew, it's the only way that Dave Bartel could continue to annoy Shrewsbury Town fans, isn't it? So, you know, <laughs> he consistently annoys that. me for his behaviour when he played for us, so it's fine. He, I'll never forgive him. But there we go. Um, gone. That period was odd, wasn't it? Yes. I, six league games after Liverpool, five draws and one defeat. Yeah. And the defeat, not- the defeat was one nil at home to Bolton, last, last minute, minute screamer. Town would have better. Yep. Better team than Bolton that day, quite comfortably, and um, yeah, the defense so, improved so, and the goals dried up essentially. Yeah, and, and the, the goals dried up and the defense improved against some of the shittest teams yeah, in the division. That was the frustration. True, Bolton weren't flying then. Gillingham are terrible. Yeah, yeah. Wimbledon are terrible. Fleetwood were terrible. Wickham, they're a good side. And then you start playing. But we played some of the teams at the bottom. That Gillingham away on the Tuesday night was quite something, wasn't it? <laughs> that was. Oh, After you got to that mark, you did, yeah. didn't you? Yeah. The, the mood generally, because of the window, and I remember going to Burton and thinking, this is double figures without a win if they don't yep. win here. But there'd been yeah. a huge number of draws, and yeah, you're adding a defeat to Liverpool, which is mm. a bit harsh, maybe. Yeah. But that felt like a massive game because when you start to get to those numbers, pressure. Yeah. He gets out, doesn't he? He's a bit like Houdini. That, that that Cambridge game at home, just on the going into the red in mm. terms of fan anger. Just stops and then it. that Burton away game was key. Yeah, yeah that, that was a massive win. Wasn't I agree. It? Massive. Yeah, there were some abject games in that run. You're right, Mark. And and yeah, we were we were finding ourselves a bit more hard to beat. But as I say, it was that lack of goals. Um, you know, Bowman and Ado had had that really really good purple patch up until the Liverpool game. Obviously, Ado scores at Liverpool, and then it just kind of all dries up a little bit. And it, it is a run that sends us back down from sort of the, the heady heights of what was it, fourteenth to our usual position of seventeenth, eighteenth. You look at the aways, to... don't you? Like the away draws. I take your point, Ollie. Like you know, Wimbledon, Gillingham, Fleetwood. You know, poor sides at best. Really, but you you kind of. You try and think, well, you know, a point on the road might not be the worst. Let's see what happens at home. Yeah. And then just looking in this, you know, there's a home draw against Fleetwood. Now that, you know, 1-1, that sort of escapes my memory. I can't sort of picture who scored in that. I'm sure one of you will tell me in a second. But, you know, it, all right, if you're only taking a point on the road at some of these places, beat Fleetwood at home, you know. It was yeah. one of Leahy's goals, yeah. a penalty. Oh, yeah. well, there you go. Yeah, yeah. it was. It wasn't good. And, I suppose, you know, we'll, we'll reflect on the Liverpool game in it because I do want to talk about that as well. But I suppose Fleetwood a lot, a lot of the context well, here is like we talked about signings at the start of this, but obviously the January window was here, Ollie, and it was a bit of an odd one, wasn't it, in that we thought we'd be bringing in more than maybe we let go, and actually as it ended up, we brought in four and we let four go, and it seemed that we hadn't really solved all of the problems we had beforehand. Probably the biggest highlight was that we got rid of Sam Crosgrove. Well, yeah, that was good. That's probably the most biggest positive, and that's, if that's your biggest positive, that's pretty <laughs> shocking, considering we'd, remember we'd, we hadn't really touched on that with playing Pike right wing back. We got rid of Pike as well. Point. Well, we did get rid of Pike <laughs> as well, yeah, so that was, just, that was out. 
lack of numbers, but we just thought we know that you know the January transfer is really hard. You know, like Bolton signed that lad from Rochdale Morley. Apparently, we were interested in as a good central midfielder. So you need to adapt to maybe pay a bit over, and I guess maybe it's cultural sense. But we didn't want to do that, but to then lose our better. Now we understand, and Lewis Cox, I'm sure, knows a lot more. Than you don't keep calling Lewis Cox. He's sitting right next to me. You just call him Lewis today. Got a middle name. <laughs> but it was a, it wasn't a great window. No, no. They needed to take the money. Yeah, of course. Better. Yeah, he was out of contract. Plus the adults. and we got Nurse. We had Leahy, and of course we're going to get Bonswell from Newcastle as well. So we're fine. Did you ever meet Bonswell, anyone? Uh, I'm not sure that he is real. (laughs) I I don't know. But, um, yeah, I I think, again, that was another one. Late in the window, get a body in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. uh, Leahy, at that point, I think, was pretty nailed down in central midfield, wasn't he? Mm. So then you're looking at playing Nurse as a wing-back and... Well, Pierre was out of favour and obviously Flanagan did arrive. Yeah, Um, I I think he's a full-back or a centre-back in a three. He's a full-back. Um, so it was possibly slightly uncomfortable for him and probably lessens the attacking quality in terms of when you're comparing him to a better, but they had to take the money. And again, if you know you, you follow what the manager was saying, you got a million and one targets and none of them arrived. Nobody seemingly <laughs> wants to take your money. But then I suppose if you've got a target that's at Rochdale and Bolton offer him a deal... Of course. Well, I don't know if you guys close your house probably yeah. earning more. Yeah, I don't know if you guys heard that when we had the end of season awards, Cotter was doing his speech, and one of the things he said was, "We're going to play Wigan uh, at home on Saturday. You know, obviously, the next game coming up, and they're going to start three lads I tried to sign in the summer." Yeah, yeah. And all I thought was, "That's lovely, but they were obviously never going to sign for us, were they? Because Wigan will play them more money there, so you know well, that's think, a simple um, answer to it." One of them being that centre half, Watmore, yeah, who who I think was Wigan's player of the season, and they won the title exactly. Yeah. And Tad um, thought they got it, yeah. Yeah. That was right down to the wire. They actually, Will Griggs did it right up there, didn't they? <laughs> I think no. Ke- Keane would have been another one. Well, you know, striker. Yeah. He scored. Well, top scorer scored twice, didn't he? Final day. I just, um, I just as a Shrewsbury Town fan, I don't have faith we're really ever going to sign those types of players. You know, we bring a Flanagan in. I'm impressed with that, but you can kind of see why that deal was done and how it was done. But yeah, some sometimes when I hear names of players who were playing upper League One week we in spoke, week out, this like, is what we were on about from last summer, wasn't it? Yeah, you know, exactly. Uh, and and there, there probably isn't. You either get one of those players mm. or you get Seku Jana, who is, mm. again, who might come off. Because Town's second choice will be someone else's yeah, you know, top-end league, two clubs' first choice who can pay the same money You're as also Town. competing with Wrexham now, yeah, as yeah. ridiculous Stockport as it sounds. I mention them on my podcast. Stockport County. Well, I'm sure Town wouldn't have minded Paul Molly. Yeah. You know, really. you know you've, he definitely would have been a target in the summer. It's right to go for the top end. Mm. The problem they've had is the drop-off then has been too steep. Or mm. to see if no one. <laughs> <laughs> no one or somebody who is completely non-impactful. Yeah. Well, we yeah. haven't talked about Les Chabella, have we, by this, who by this point went back, yeah. having not made a start or whatever. <laughs> but, but when he came in, he had sort of seemingly so highly rated by Leicester's academy. And I think all fans are excited to see what he was about, you know, he's going to be this midfield player. Lee wasn't there at that point. He can pass through ball, you know, number 10, maybe, I, I don't know. Um, and he started that League Cup game and he was like uh, a boy just, yeah. adrift in the sea, unfortunately. And once the manager decides, he's decided. Yeah. I think you can see that. Once he's made up his mind, you're not playing, you're probably not playing. Mm. And to be fair, unless you're Bella, he could tell you why. And then when you saw yeah. him, 
you'd go. Yeah, but compare Lechabella and Fauna as midfielders. Yeah. Fauna yeah. is Lechabella's a a ball playing look luxury player. Yeah, Fauna's an engine. You know, physical. Had a season in League One with Plymouth. Yet Fauna came in, being that type of player, and was still miles off it physically for town. Remember Cottrell telling me, he didn't say this, but you could read between the lines. It's what he meant. Tyrese is nowhere. Yeah, you know, after a couple of training sessions, nowhere near where you know where he needs to be for us to play him. Mm. So that's a big January problem, isn't it? When you bring in, yeah, bring in someone in. I'd, I'd say, Lewis, that's a consistent problem for our loan players at this football club, <laughs> whether it's January or summer. <laughs> yeah. Any manager Jan- for the last ten years will say he's not quite up to fitness. But, yet, if, but, but if, if we get him, ready, but if you get him at a decent time yeah. in the summer, they get no, okay. season, and, and if you get them yeah. at a twenty threes, yes, and loans usually happen late in a window in the summer because clubs want to take them on pre-season tours yeah. and mm. want them for pre-season and want them for, if they're a Premier League club, for the 19 pre-season friendlies I've got on the same day, you know, because they're cashing in on testimonials yeah. at Rochdale and playing Real Madrid in China. You know, so mm. you don't get them in until after you want them, Yeah, usually. Yeah, it's tricky. We can talk about Liverpool game now because in that whole run of these games, you know, we've just looked at we've all got a sheet in front of us. It's like you know Fleetwood, Wickham, Plymouth, Portsmouth, Burton. I doubt anyone other than Burton anyone really remembers any of those games to be honest with you. But the Liverpool game was a good doubt for the club, wasn't it? And um, you know we were left with, as I mentioned before, quite a few kind of regrets, anger. Fans, I think, were quite angry about the performance of Liverpool last time. The way it worked, you know, losing to kids, the way Ricketts set whole, us up. The it whole was occasion. horrendous to be honest with you, but. It almost felt like to me, yeah, we, we didn't win, obviously, and, but we scored a goal, we went ahead at Anfield, and it kind of right, righted the wrongs of the first game for the fans, I think, Mark. But all in all, you know, that, that, that kind of seven minutes in heaven when we were leading at Anfield it's, was unreal. It's James Collins at the Emirates, isn't it? Exactly. It's, it's having that moment yeah. where it makes everybody around go, Shrewsbury Town, you know, and makes the fans have that memory, and that makes it all worthwhile, doesn't it? Of course, of course, they come back and they win comfortably. Of course, they do. Yeah, but yeah, you had to bring on some players. Though. Yeah, do you, exactly. Do you remember sitting in the press room when the teams dropped, and like you going down the team sheet, and it's, you know, Van Dyke, Fabinho, Robertson. Like, I don't think we or Shrewsbury Town expected that. I thought, you know, maybe it might be a young, a younger Liverpool defence. Some and that's what you want. You want them to have to do that, yeah, don't you? Yeah. And but yeah. it was the other way around. There were younger kids going forward for Liverpool. Like yeah. Kay Gordon scored the equaliser. Um, he's, he's seventeen. But if the town, I saw. I looked at that Liverpool backline on the team sheet ahead of kickoff. Town aren't scoring it. And that was, <laughs> like, and that, was that was a big and that wasn't I just to Shrewsbury Town. You know, every club has elements, even Shrewsbury. But obviously, Liverpool. Have, I remember doing the thing. I remember joking. Liverpool have some like fifty members of first team staff or something. Probably about 18 analysts. And they clearly looked at Shrewsbury and looked at our team and thought, we need to play some experienced heads in this game. Not because they were gonna not because we were gonna like annihilate them or beat them necessarily, but just to control the game. Because we got some time with physical physical, we we're an intelligent team, got a lot of pros in old pros in the team and some good heads. And also seeing that we were they needed those players in that squad. Mm Because they had that triangle, didn't they? They had was it Fabinho, Van Dyke. And who was playing next to Van Dijk in central defence? Was it was it Canate? Uh, yeah, it was. Sure. It was. was yeah. Canate, yeah. yeah. Twenty-five million pounds. Yeah, it's pretty mad. Which um, is, and like you say, they let all the lads go forward. They just sat there and we were never yeah. ever going to score against um, them. But, but we did. But, but, well, <laughs> sorry, we did. But we were never going to win the no, game. No, by the way, what a goal! Yeah, oh, unreal. Amazing. Brilliant goal. Great finish. Brilliant goal. Well, the moment for me is in that seven minutes is something that I think people forget about now because I always think about Liverpool and think 
Odo scored that goal. But everyone kind of forgets that Bowman had a massive chance just after to go 2-0. Which, let's be honest, even playing against a team of that quality, if it goes 2-0, you've definitely got a bit of hope you can hold on then. And he didn't, didn't quite it, get it, it right. It's a shame that Cade Gordon's equaliser wasn't, you know, Town didn't make them work too hard yeah. for that goal. But obviously the, the defining thing is a penalty on the stroke of half-time for Liverpool to make it 2 you know, handball, Ebank Sunday. It was handball, wasn't it? But it, I don't want to say it was harsh. harsh. Yeah, I think it was harsh. Yeah. In, in the flow of the game, that Bowman chance missed. Yeah. Then, then the score in the only seven minutes later. Yeah. It was. But nobody knows what would have happened yeah. had it been one one and half the kids, time. And Liverpool the still at two one had to bring on Firmino. You know. And Co- Cottrell again at the end of the season thing was saying, I was looking across at uh, Klopp and he looked. Listen, I looked him in the eyes and I said. We got you here for a minute, haven't we? We've got you here for a minute. You know, you, you obviously know what he can be like when he's in a good mood, and and it was kind of quite effervescent the way he said that. But we did have him for a minute, but we unfortunately didn't hold on. But definitely, definitely better memories. And um, yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see who we get in the FA Cup next year when we get to round three. Who have we not had recently that we've not played for a while? Maybe Spurs. Or yeah, Spurs, Spurs never played Spurs. Or yeah, yeah, we've not played Forest for a long time in the FA Cup, but um, that's a long-standing thing. But yeah, there we go. Any, any other reflections on on Liverpool, Lewis? I think you could do probably twenty-five minutes. Oh yeah. You, I'm, I'm do you feel quite? Do you, as a, obviously, we've talked about Lewis being a Liverpool fan on the podcast before, but do you feel a bit mad that you've seen Town play Liverpool three times in your oh, time following the club? Mad would be an understatement, <laughs> really. When that draw happened, um, yeah, it was just it was just so weird. Weird. I, yeah. I rushed to my mum and dad's from the office to watch the draw. My dad's a red. Um, just made it in time. Sat on the living room sofa. Like right, town of this number, Liverpool of this number. Wasn't it the first draw? Oh, it was like either one or it was early second doors, draw. Yeah. It was really early. And um, so obviously I was sort of keeping an ear out for both numbers. I said to Dad, like, because it had happened before, there's no way, there's no way these are going to be drawn together again. And it happens. I just remember, like, standing up and just being in disbelief, like, having to, like, really, like, look at it. But then straight away they just go on to the next drawers, don't they? It's like... Has that just happened? Oh, wait. <laughs> I need to believe it because I actually need to report this as well. <laughs> did, but, did you get to interview, like, Klopp as an opposition So it, it was obviously on Zoom unfortunately oh, and yeah, and obviously I was desperate to and I wanted to and I was buzzing to but it was a there was a bit of te- not technical difficulties but I I tried to do the right thing raising hand on zoom but I don't think it went to play <laughs> I didn't get noticed or whether I wasn't on the right list or whatever so I didn't get to ask any and, and they wrapped it up and to be honest I only got about two questions to Cottrell on Zoom as well so, so yeah that wasn't ideal pretty much all the Premier League presses are still Zoom yeah, yeah. well yeah. Not, not not anymore but they were a lot of still are yeah. Yeah. yeah, but Lewis did talk, talks about Liverpool. You know, when we did the season review, you missed right, Mark. And obviously, at that point in time, we weren't able to get out your view on what Lewis's yeah. behaviour at Anfield was like. Was he, you know, glad hap, clapping everybody, clapping all Liverpool goals? What's the reality? <laughs> was he, he costing things? What's the reality of Lewis? <laughs> we don't get to sit. We didn't get to. We don't get no. to sit together at Anfield. Oh, really I, I, I had to take some before. photos of it. <laughs> that was one thing I did. Oh, come do. on, I needed to hire a personal Fair photographer. Yeah. So I went as. Lewis Cox's personal photographer. Plus one. Yeah. yeah. And oh, like no, you no. carried on the Lewis Cox. because he's Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, he's a big name now, particularly in those parts. No, no it was, um... he's got a personal photographer. <laughs> no, it was great. Selfishly, you know, brilliant. Um, couldn't have made it up, really, too. But my abiding memory is still the 2 2 at the Meadow, really. Great. I mean, but it's great to have. Obviously, the, the first Anfield replay was a selfishly a great experience, but from a Shrewsbury perspective and fans, pretty terrible. Mm. Um, and then Awful. lockdown happened like a month or two later or whatever so to to get the chance to do it again properly and, yeah yeah, yeah it went as good as it could have gone without 
winning really yeah. didn't it and, and yeah. we talk we obviously talk about family on the podcast all the time um, and you know the circumstances of all these big cup games we talk about them being a lot of them Mark, but you know for my kids having now grown up you know started going to football for the last five years the amount of big games they've seen and big stadiums they've been to it's big for a football club to get those ties isn't it and it, it kind of helps that next generation kind of get the same passion and stuff like that it's, it is weird as well when you because when you cover a team for a long time you de facto become a big fan because you know the, the whole argument that you know, you'd rather us do badly that you get off some fans is complete nonsense. Because one, I've got to sit there and watch it. But also, it makes life so much easier when there's people actually want to phone up. Yeah. And how could you not get invested if you're dedicating so much of your life to it? Mm. So most of us come from having supported another club or, you know, with allegiances elsewhere. But you do get invested. So when those two things meet, it is weird. Because you kind of go... I've been here as a fan, but now I'm what? working alongside another club. It's a really weird dynamic, well, you, isn't it? You, you, I'm sure you won't mind me saying you're a Forest fan. I grew up so a Forest fan. And, and I'm obviously, so I had it in the League Cup a couple years, of years, years ago. ago. Yeah. And the highlight of my day, the first time we went to Anfield, was Stuart Pearce eating his dinner <laughs> in, the, uh, in the media lounge. <laughs> so you kind of, but on that day at the city ground, I'd have taken a town win all day long. Oh, fair play. Because it's a big tie in the next round. Coming scored, didn't it? Yeah, and you know it's it's absolutely what what you want. Interesting. Man City away would be quite cool, wouldn't it? Because mm. t- town fans of a previous generation would have gone lots in the eighties. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Beaten there at Wayne Road. Obviously, since Etihad, they haven't yeah. played each other, no, have they? And, 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 and Man City love a home draw against a, a lower league club, don't they? I, I'm going to go. I'm going to go from Tanja actually, Mark, because you you just mentioned there when you've been sporting, you know, doing your job yeah. on this football club for such a long, long period of time, you kind of become a sport. What What's been your favourite FA Cup game during the entire time you've been working at Radio Shropshire? Um. Because you'd have done Chelsea in the League Cup, wouldn't you? Did Chelsea in the League Cup. Man United, they were awful. They're terrible, That's, terrible. And I, I remember, because the Meadow press box is so cramped, <laughs> watching the game, and I have to describe this sideways. <laughs> well, the guy from... I, Stan Collymore clambered. I had Stan Collymore's crotch <laughs> in my face on multiple times that oh, day God. as he clambered <laughs> past. Um sideways with a microphone like that and I had a bad shoulder for about four weeks so it was, it was a terrible terrible game didn't Bondy um, didn't Bondy um, the soon to be retired hijacked James Louis Bond. van Gaal yeah yeah he, yeah. Got, he, got, he got the scoot with van Gaal yeah he ducked under the Man United press officer's outstretched arm saying no more no more as she waved um, and he I can't remember what no he asked. Spot. There's no stopping Bondy from getting Tell the Louis van Gaal smelt incredible <laughs> as did all of the United players they're aftershave worth more than my house um, so that was a that was an odd night. Um, Chelsea was good, yeah, as a cup tie, mango, um, and again just threatening to get something. Mm. I enjoyed West Ham. Both West Ham West ties away. again. West Ham away was good. You're thinking they're gonna win this was both the times. Se- the first season sort of added to it. Yeah. yeah, and I remember I've very few times have I been as gutted as Josh Cullen's goal because I thought this is on. <laughs> Um, yeah, it was. James Bolton off the line. That was again Wolves oh, again. Wolves. Should have been and that you know just for being able to gloat over Mo- Wolves fans. Mo- Molyneux away was Molyneux away was great. Wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, great yeah. atmosphere there. But the thing is, it, but that's the thing about cup games is you remember you sort of reminisce on them more. You know, we're forgetting Stoke things away. like Stoke yeah. away, Sheffield Wednesday three two to mm. set up a big Grimmel. tie with Grimmers late goal. There's been so many good moments, and even when you go to things like Stratford or. You know where else we've been non-league over the years. You know, Gainsborough, Gainsborough, you know, places like that. You can't. It, they all stick out because it's it's the unusual, isn't it? Really sticks out. Palace away and going to extra time, up. yeah, and just 
when you think there's levels to this game. <laughs> because the way they kicked on again in the last half an hour, and Wilfred Zaha still sprinting, you know, 80-yard sprints in minute mm. 115, and you just go, wow. Stuff like that. But again, it's... It's the one thing that's missing is actually beating one of them because yeah. they're some so close. Yeah, so we, close still all, we still all remember the Everton game as that kind of cr- yeah. Yeah. Cr- crescendo for my era of crescendo of like amazing FA Cup results. And I do want my kids to experience one of those in one, their one, lifetime. One big pitch invasion. Oh well, we'll you'll allow that pitch invasion, won't <laughs> <my boy. laughs> I've not been to Salas Park yet. I've not ticked that one off, but it's commonly known Set aside in the media. Three days. It's commonly known in the media as the worst away. <laughs> oh, Accessibility travel, you in the press box, just yeah. <laughs> Only time I've been to Sellers Park is to see Crystal Palace play Millwall in the Championship many, many years ago, and to say that day was rough would be an understatement. So um, I'd like, like a slightly better memory of Sellers Park. I never went to that League Cup game. Um, there we go. Let's. I would like one tangent on the end of season podcast, Ollie. I'm sure you'll agree that's fine. Um, but just as an interesting question, we we talked about it all there. Yeah, we talked about that bad run, and obviously we were we were then back down the bottom of the league, struggling, and and I think we've kind of got to March then, and. I've kind of bracketed part four of the season as the march to safety because um, between the 1st of March and the 26th of March, we got a couple of draws, um, three huge wins in a row, um, one loss to Oxford in between. And again, it was that point where it started to get a bit eggy and essentially we kind of saved ourselves, didn't we? And there's where we'll leave the uh, first part of the end of season review. Um, myself, Mark, Ollie and Lewis. Um, yeah, just got to the point there where we've had the Liverpool game, gone on a bad run and now looking to kind of set up ourselves in March, which is what effectively um, did for us in the season. So we'll be back um, with part two later this week, covering the end of the season, um, the beach football later on, um, as well as that good run in March. Um, and also, yeah, some of our rather reflections on the season and some other bits and bobs, um, which everyone will find entertaining. About another hour and 15 minutes in that podcast as well. So, um, yeah, hope everyone enjoyed that uh, first part of the end of season review. And, um, yeah, back in a couple of days for the second part. Um, cheers for listening.